Hello and welcome to Falmouth Vineyard's audio podcast. We're really grateful that you're joining us today. Our vision is to see Cornwall coming alive through the hope and freedom that Jesus brings. To find out more about who we are or how to connect with us, visit falmouthvineyard.org. We'd love to hear from you. We are going to be systematically going through the book of Philippians, taking a chunk of text at a time and asking the question, what is God saying to us as individuals and us as a community through this incredible book? If you've got your Bible, you may want to read it. You may specifically want to read the book of Philippians. It's only four chapters long. And you might think, well, how is this sermon series going to literally take you up to Easter? Because there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there, and I don't want to rush. So, don't panic. This is not a 30-minute service. This is just an introduction, because I'd love to leave some spice for, time, for, for prayer and ministry, too. Philippians is packed with well-known verses, such as, He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1.6. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Those are just a few. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi, which is now an archaeological site in modern-day Greece. Most people accept that Paul wrote it from prison in Rome between 60 and 62 AD. So the Apostle Paul, bit of background, used to go on missionary trips around the Mediterranean, bit of a road trip and he would preach the gospel where he went and establish these little house churches so tiny house churches spread up sprung up across the mediterranean and into the roman empire this letter was written about 10 years after paul founded the church you can read about that in acts chapter 16 in philippi and about three to four years since his last visit um if you want to hear about the start of the church in philippi this is like a prequel Read Acts chapter 16 and you'll hear the story of how the church became established. It's brilliant. Um, And there's a feeling of connectedness in this letter. If you read Acts chapter 16, you'll see Paul directed by the Holy Spirit to go to Philippi for a specific, um, under specific direction from the Holy Spirit. It's a divine appointment. So I kind of think that gives you a a sense of what is going to happen there when he gets there is incredibly significant. So let's read a bit of it, because I think it's just great, and we've got enough time. Acts chapter 16, verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, this is them in Philippi, where we expected to find a place of prayer. That's a little note, isn't it? Like church, where they were going to pray outside of the city, like just be imaginative with your prayer spaces. Anyway, we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered gathered there. One of them listening was a woman of the city of Thyatira, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer of the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. After this, so this is the establishing of the church in Lydia's house, Paul and Silas then get heckled by a demon-possessed slave girl who predicts the future by an evil spirit. And you're thinking, well, what are the perfect situation that God could make to start this church? Well, you've got this businesswoman, and then you've got this slave girl who is free from an evil 
evil spirit. Where Paul and his companions went, this girl followed them shouting. And if you read the passage, this is what the girl was shouting. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept it up for days. But Paul got fed up with it in the end and cast out the evil spirit. But the girl was making her slave owners, her master's money from her fortune telling. And they were angry at the loss of this revenue. So they kicked up a stink and got Paul and Silas thrown into jail where you find another amazing story of what happens in Philippi. About midnight, Acts 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So much even in that phrase. And the other prisoners were listening to them at midnight, singing and praying and worshipping. Suddenly, verse 26, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. This is one of those moments which would have been integral to the story of the church of Philippi. It's not as if this happened that long before the church was established. This story would have been told again and again. Do you remember when Paul and Silas visited? They were in prison, they were worshipping, and then there was an incredible earthquake, and all the prisoners were set free. Now, because the jailer feared that all the prisoners had escaped because all their chains had fallen off, he drew his sword and was about to take his own life. But Paul shouts out, don't do it. We're actually here. We're all still here. Seeing this and having listened to them worship, the jailer says to them in verse 30, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, they reply, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So we're just trying to give you a feel of how this church started. What a night. First they're in chains, then an earthquake frees them, then the jailer is threatening to take his own life, then they share the gospel of Jesus to the whole household, then they baptize the whole household, then they have a meal with their new friends. And what does it say? Because this is a theme that we will hit again and again in the book of Philippians. The jailer was, verse 34, was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So that is the backstory to the formation of the church in Philippi. Midnight worship and prayer meetings, prayer-inspired earthquakes, radical conversations, household baptisms, and deep, deep joy at this newfound faith in Jesus. So it's with fondness and a great deal of love that Paul writes this letter to the church in Philippi. And he starts by saying this. Get your Bibles out. Verse 1, Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is all we're going to be covering this morning. Paul hints at the theme we will look at in the way he introduces this letter. It's an issue, there's an issue of division within the church. As Paul looked at the church of Philippi, one of the things he discerned was that there was a problem of competitiveness among some of the people. Some of the people were trying to get ahead of others, and they were trying to put too much weight on their position in the church. And he saw the growing problem of disunity and competitiveness and so he wrote this letter to not only to say thank you for the, your gifts, which we'll come on to, 
not only to share with Philippians his personal news and about his situation, he was in prison, and not only to express his love for them, but also to correct this growing sense of division and competitiveness, this disunity within the church. So Paul, from the start of this letter, identifies with Timothy. And I, I, I think when you hit the first verse of a letter, you're kind of like, skip over it. It's just the introduction. It's just the welcome. It's just like, dear Nathan, how are you doing? Hope you're okay. Let's get down to business. But this is really important. The way he introduces the letter sets out part of what he's trying to communicate in the letter. Paul and Timothy equals in the gospel, servants of Christ Jesus, to God's holy people in Christ Jesus. If you have a church where everyone's saying, hey, I was here before you, therefore I have a right to a certain position, or I've paid my tithes, therefore I have a right to lead this ministry, or I'm more talented than you, I resent your leadership. The Apostle Paul is saying, hey, I just want you to check out my example. I am 25 years older than Timothy. Timothy is my son in the faith. I led this kid to Christ. I am an incredible apostle. He is a relatively no, relative nobody, and yet I will link myself with him as an equal. Paul and Timothy. Not Paul over Timothy. Paul and Timothy. And the look at the title he gives both to himself and to Timothy. Paul and Timothy, servants. Because what you need to deal with divisiveness and competitiveness and one-upmanship, we have to start seeing ourselves all as servants, all serving one another. Our aim is not to get ahead of one another, but to bless one another and to encourage one another's another's lives. When he speaks to the church, he says, to the saints or God's holy people, together together in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. That group of leaders, the overseers, are linked to the deacons. And actually, many people believe that this was not two groups at the writing of this letter to the Philippians, but one group, pastors who were deacons. The word deacon means servants, pastors who were servants. What the Apostle Paul is trying to say is this. Hey, this letter is coming from a man who sees himself as a servant to a group of leaders and people who ought to see themselves as servants also. He's giving us a taste of what is coming through this letter. One of the themes we'll run into again and again is servanthood. Leaders are ultimately servants. That's what Jesus says to his disciples. This is what Jesus models to his disciples. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you are following a savior wrapped in a towel who would get down on his knees and wash the feet of his disciples. The king wraps himself in a towel. Jesus at the Last Supper performs the role of the lowest servant in the household. He washes the feet. Service, serving, flows from humility, which is often, especially now, misunderstood as weakness. This week, this might feel like a bit of a gear change and a bit of direction change. This week, Grow Baby men here again. Grow Baby is a stay-and-play group for mums or carers and their children. It is an incredible community supporting each other. There's a new video on their webpage if you want to go and have a look at it and share it around. They provide clothes, toys and equipment for under fives free of charge. No criteria needs to be met. It's available to all who are in need. And it has grown. So the team needed to make more space, so they bought more stair gates. So they basically now use a big L shape and use this side of the room as well as that side of the room. We hosted 31 families in here on Tuesday morning, which was over 70 people. Isn't that amazing? 
And then on Thursday, me and Andy were down building the storage at Princess Pavilions. We had squid, squidlets, our messy play group, toddler play group. Outside on the lawn, it was like a huge party. Coffee, cake, craft, ukulele music. It was amazing. Loads and loads of people there as well. And also, what have we just heard about? Wildfire. Steph's already talked about her vision for youth, the ministry that is, is growing every week. Last Sunday morning, which was a relatively quiet morning compared to today, in here especially, over in Vineyard Kids, they had over 27 kids in Sparklers and Ignite. That was without wildfires and kindling. Why am I mentioning this? Because we have a culture at the vineyard of serving. Everyone can serve somewhere in the life of the church with whatever God has gifted you with. Someone, All we ask is you just serve. Try and serve once a month in the life of the church. And there are, as I mentioned, loads of areas where you could help out where you can simply serve, simply facilitate a group or a ministry, it's completely unglamorous. You may not even get a name badge. You may not even get a lanyard. But if you're on car parking, you will get a high-vis jacket. <laughs> I know, that's the one everyone wants to go for. It's usually pretty straightforward to get involved in a team. It's and, and part of... The remit of all the teams is making people feel welcomed when they come into the church. It's not more complicated than that. It's making sure people know where the toilets are, where the groups, kids' groups are meeting. It's making the tea and the coffee so people coming for the first time feel that they're coming home rather than coming into a stuffy church building. Where it's actually getting here is easy and maybe you could help come and set up the craft stuff or the game stuff over Vineyard Kids. It's driving the sound and the media, the often overlooked teams. Well done, teams. It's making puddings for the welcome evening or the marriage course. It's offering to get involved in some of the DIY jobs we've got around the church that need doing and the carpet that needs cleaning, all of that kind of stuff. There's so many ways to get involved in the life of the church. Mostly, I've been doing a bit of research on this this week, 25% people, 25 of people who want to serve or volunteer don't purely because no one's ever asked them to. And I think as we move through this book of Philippians, we will see that is, it is kind of core to the identity of Paul in him seeing himself as a servant. He then says to the church, we are all serving one another. So I consider this a personal invitation to you. Would you serve? Would you get involved in the life of the church? Would you find somewhere where you could just serve once a month? I know some of you will be on like nights and rotors and it's difficult, but maybe just turn up one Sunday and think, can I just plug into a team? I can't plug into a rotor, but I can plug in to help once a month. Another reason people don't get involved in serving is they can't, don't understand the why behind what we're trying to do or the why behind the role or the serving opportunity. Why do we have guys helping people in the car park? They are the welcome team. They are some people's first impressions of the church, which indirectly might be their first impression of faith, which might be the first contact they've ever had or had for years with a Christian. We want people to feel welcome from the moment they come into the car park, drop off people or are directed to the nearby parking available. The phrase Paul uses at the beginning of this letter to the church in Philippi is that he, along with Timothy, are servants of Christ Jesus. We serve Jesus. 
We do all that we do because of Jesus, motivated by him, with our love for him, with the little that we have, so that some might meet him. Whether it grow babies, squidlets, ignites, sparklers, wildfires, evening service, morning service, all of these things are going, just so that some may know him. Our hope is that our teams provide an extravagant welcome, that they give away the love and the hope and the joy that we have all or some found in Jesus. But that is enough from me.